It's Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. And let us gather together and experience the goodness of God. I'm Pastor Trey Comstock. Our scripture of this week will be Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and then jumping to verses 36 through 43. And then we'll hear a piece by me entitled, A Desire for Visceral Victory. Then Pastor Emily and I will talk about scripture and about maybe not rooting for others to fail. But first, a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and then verses 36 through 43. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into his house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. Vanquishing your enemies feels powerful. That visceral sensation of triumph seems baked into the core of humanity. We want to see our folks win and the bad folks lose. We create and spend billions of dollars on countless ways to experience this feeling outside of the actual battlefield. It's executing the perfect pass on a racetrack, the game-winning touchdown throw, the dance of a victory royale in Fortnite, the improbable slam dunk, or that time the Los Angeles Dodgers waltzed in the playoffs with one of the best records ever, only to lose in the first round with the Astros going on to win the World Series. But who's counting? The desire for this feeling of crushing victory gets recorded in the Psalms. As I love to mention as often as possible, Psalm 109 contains a vivid description of destroying one's enemies. 
They say appoint a wicked man against him, an accuser stand at his right. When he is tried, let him be found guilty, let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few, may another seize his position, may his children be orphans and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, may they be driven out of the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all he has, may strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. May there be no one to do him a kindness, nor anyone to pity his orphaned children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his father be remembered before the Lord. And do not let the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, and may his memory be cut off from the earth. Psalm 109, verses 6 through 15. The psalmist literally prays for God to destroy their foe so utterly that even the memory of them disappears. Dear Lord, please give me that powerful pit of my stomach sensation of total victory of me winning and the other guy losing completely. Amen. So we like it. But should we? Or to put it more theologically, do we love this feeling for godly reasons, or does it come from a place in our soul that needs redeeming? Christ gives us an approach to our enemies that looks differently than the rush of joyous victory when we see them destroyed. As it says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48, You have heard that it was said, You should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Part of being as perfect as our heavenly parent means finding a place in our souls to wish well on those who wish us ill. A Christian approach to the world means a loving approach to even those farthest from loving us. I, I don't want to take this logic too far. Wanting the Dodgers to lose utterly in a game of baseball is probably fine. The worst that will happen is that those players will make mildly fewer millions, and Angelinos every well will experience the emotional disappointment that they so richly deserve. This call to love our enemies works on the scale of real life and actual harm. When an enemy loses out, we should feel pain for their suffering even if they brought it on themselves. As I'll bring up as often as possible, thank God that Jesus approached his enemies with absolute compassion, or we would be doomed. To me, this should affect how we approach the parable of the weeds amongst the wheat. Evil exists, and since we have free will, not everyone will choose God. In this plane of existence, we may not notice any consequences for this, but in the end, the parable lays out a reality where some enter God's kingdom and others do not. 
As a faith, we have at times expressed a triumphalist attitude towards this eventuality. We can sit in smug satisfaction that the end result will look a little different or a lot different than our world now, where godlessness feels ascendant. Isn't it great that they'll get it in the end? No, it's not great. It's terrible. We have been tasked with loving our enemies and making disciples of all nations. We call ourselves Christians because we model ourselves on Christ by the power of God moving in our lives. Waiting around comfortably as the wheat for the weeds to get their recompense does not align with God's desires for us or this world. Our wiring contains that pull for putting a boot triumphantly on the neck of our enemy. I get it. However, that not everyone will enter the kingdom of God should fill us with profound sadness and at least a hint of regret. Instead of triumph, we should wonder if we could have done more. That this sounds unnatural reveals the difference redemption can make in how we approach the world. On our own, we desire crushing victory. With God, we can have compassion for all. So, what you just heard in the kind of I call I call I call it the essay. What I just heard in the essay, and then also in the sermon, is this is um, in in a series of sermons where I, I where I talk about like I'm not sure how what Christians actually believe in, right? And that sounds bad, but it's true. Like I, I have this. I think this came out of like a lot of theology thinking that I had to do during the pandemic, um, during our friend, the pandemic um, was do how, what do Christians really believe in? Because we like really like watching other people lose, which is what I talked about in the essay. And then when I talked about in the sermon, it was like, we act like we were supposed, it was always supposed to look like we're winning. And then when it doesn't look like we're winning, we get really confused and freak out and wonder where is God. And, um, you know, the, the song for friends is life. No one told you life was going to be this way, except scripture. Yeah. And, and hence the claps. <laughs> right. uh, but like scripture, but the, the point of this scripture and revelation and on and on is that no, the biblical authors really did tell you it was going to be this way. They really did, because from their perspective, they were, you know, they did not live through, we didn't live through the 1950s either, but we can only assume that, it, like, Christianity, we've all, I've been constantly told that in the 1950s and 60s, I was at a meeting yesterday where I was told how, you know, Christian the 1950s and 60s looked, um, that it looked like we really looked like we were winning, um, and now the world looks really different, and we were freaking out. We're declaring at the end times. We, you know, whatever. And I have to go, yeah, but did you read the Bible? The people in the Bible, especially the New Testament, were just getting their butt kicked all the time and needed this encouragement that said, look, it's not always going to look good. That's the faith part. And so this, you know, again, like one of my, like, I didn't know going into like this season of my ministry that I was going to spend a lot of time going, now, what, what do you actually believe, right? Like, we talk about faith, okay, 
faith is not merely a belief in the existence of God. It is, in part, a recognition of the power of God, even when you can't, even when that power doesn't seem visibly apparent to you. Right. That's that's that uh, poem that I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. I believe yeah. in God, even when we don't know what God is doing, or we don't see the evidence of where God is moving right away, or we don't measure our standard of success the way that right. God is measuring standards of success because, you know, that's that's not the point. The biggest church or the, you know, most successful according to the world is not uh, what God is looking for necessarily. And so how do we measure those standards? What are we looking for? And, and where is the faith in those times when it doesn't look like what we think it's supposed to look like? Well, and this is, like, when the Bible is being written, when the New Testament is being written, um, we are under, we in the whole world, we Christians in the whole world, this whole known world, or a good chunk of it, was under the thumb of the Roman Empire, right? And the Roman Empire, at that time, had their own religious system um, that no that no doubt those of you who uh, made it through high school English at some point, high school English or history at some point learned about, you know, your uh, Jupiters and your Saturns and your whatever, right? Like, um, uh, yeah. And so we were not the religion of the empire. We were this, you know, dinky little thing, um, dinky little fledgling movement that, yeah, had explosive growth, particularly for the, you know ancient world but we're tiny and and not powerful and like we we probably know the names of the good chunk of our rich people of all the rich people that we had like you you know you can they are they are listed in the shout out section of romans or they get you know their own letter in philemon this is two weeks right. you know two you know through three podcasts in never mentioned philemon twice <laughs> it's good we're good it's off to a good start um and so they they would have had no assumption that they were gonna that, that like they were gonna be in a position of power. And and so they really you know, they needed to hear the like, hey, I know it looks bad. I know it's always looked bad. Don't worry, it's gonna look good in the end. And we not just, just have not yeah. just are they not going to be in a place of power or in a position of power in the government, but they can they are putting themselves willingly in a place of persecution, yeah. right? In in a place of submission um, to these bigger and better and stronger and more affluent in the government positions, and so you're actually you're signing up for you know in some cases torture, in some cases death, in some cases martyrdom, um, or you or you at least know of you you know a lot of them would have known a person. Right, would have who, known Stephen or would have known yeah. some of these first martyrs. Or would have been, or like, you know, actually, you know, this, you know, this text comes from Matthew's gospel. And so, like, we know that Matthew's, Matthew's crew was probably not being persecuted by the Romans yet. That's a little later, right? Um, he was, they were probably being persecuted, you know, this is, this is the gospel that includes Matthew 1036. Once foes shall be members of one's own household. They were probably being persecuted by the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, of like, and a lot of them would have been, you know, based on kind of references that Matthew makes, it was probably, you know, Christians who grew up Jewish. This is where the, I have to pause and go. So there's not a, like, what is, 
what is Jewish and what is not Jewish in, like, 60 AD is not totally clear, right? Like, you know, are, are Christians Jewish? I, I get that at this point we're wholly separate religions, but, like, at that time it was a little squishy. A li- little more meshed together still. Yeah. Well, and I, I, so looking at that, you know, and looking at this desire to see our enemies fail, that was not an attitude they had towards the synagogue. That is right. not an attitude that these new Christians had towards the synagogue was wanting to see the other or, or, fail. Or if they or if they did, I mean or maybe so we don't know, right? Um certainly Matthew's gospel um has the one of the more complicated relationships with the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees get um but even that is but yet my Matthew ends with go and make disciples of all nations, right? Matthew stresses, you know, pulling a a lot of what I pulled, both in terms of the scripture, but also in terms of the other things we reference, is Matthew, right? Like, one of the most detailed descriptions of what it is to love your enemy is Matthew, right? Um, And so maybe, you know, Matthew as pastor, Matthew as, you know, religious leader of community, um, is both recognizes that they feel these things, um, but also, like, shaping the, like, conversation of, like, yeah, I know. I, like, victory feels good, to, feels great, and no. But, like, love your enemies, right? Like, do not, do not give into, it's sad that the Pharisees don't jump on board. It's not, like, you know, we're, we're not, we're not supposed to stand and go, that smugness, right? Like, you know, right. smugness, you know, smugness always feels like it, you know, maybe this is just says too much about my own soul. Smugness always feels mildly unbiblical. <laughs> smugness is probably not a Christian, good Christian feeling. Probably it's a human not. feeling. It's adjacent to pride, I feel like. That's one of those, you know, smugness, pride, that I got it right and you got it wrong. And at least I'm not like that Pharisee over right. there. Yeah. And, you know. Well, and this is, you know, this is, you know, I, I, I'm blanking because, you know, this is just not how my memory works. But, you know, there is there is that parable um, about praying. And this may actually also, maybe we are all, maybe we're just covering Sermon on the Mount over and over again. But, like, do not stand and go... Look how not a sinner I am. Oh, I'm, dear God, thank you that I am not like that other guy. That I'm not sinning as bad as that other guy right. over there. Yep. Right. That, that like, uh, and and yet it, it, it creeps in. And I, you know, we all know that feeling, right? Um, that it That it creeps in. And so on one balance, it is, hey, like, you're not... Yeah, we're going to win in the end. I know it doesn't look like it, but we're going to win in the end. And the other part of, it, part of it is, yeah, but like, you should feel a certain kind of, you should not feel a certain kind of way about winning, right? Um, that there will be winners and losers at the end of time is profoundly sad. Yes. Um, is, is just profoundly sad. And also... And and I, I started to get this edge in this, right? Like, also, like, what more could we have done? Yes. <laughs> right. What, what other uh, work do we need to do to make sure that we're producing wheat and not weeds in right. that field that God is Right, known? that this is, we're 2,000 years into this 
journey, um, it's not happening in a vacuum around us. Mm-hmm. This is I. This is also back to the like you know keep the faith piece. Somewhere on the internet still exists a series I did in 2021 called uh, Sure Looks Like the End Times. Mm-hmm. Um, this was my, like, okay, I realized that I had not read all of Revelation since seminary. If I even read it all then, or if I just skimmed it, like, you know, who knows? Semin- a lot of things happen in seminary. It's very <laughs> busy. Um, and, and, and a lot of folks just steer away from Revelation because it is scary and everything has a lot of eyeballs. There's a lot of, like... You know, I, there's Wings a lot in Revelation. and scrolls and eyeballs and, it's, and strange it's, it, things. It's scrolls and body horror, right? Like, it is <laughs> a lot. And, but I, so I decided, like, I'm not going to do selections from Revelation. I'm going to read the whole stupid thing, and I'm going to make everyone do this with me. Um, and so uh, we did Romans a half a chapter at a time, which was a mistake. Because um, that take took a year. Um, and so we decided, I decided, okay, it's, it is whatever it is, 22 chapters long. Um, we're going to do like two chapters at a time. Um, and so we're going to do like a 10 week, 10, 12 week ish study of revelation. And I entitled it sure looks like the end times. Um, this was like 2021. We, you know, uh, we had we were just still been through, through a, pand- a collective end time yeah. of sorts after the pandemic. Well, East Texas certainly thought the pandemic was over. It wasn't, objectively, but it sure felt like it um, to them, um, and thus how we had to operate. But, and, and I, so I journeyed through it, like, two chapters at a time, and I didn't realize, I don't think, that the actual methods or message of Revelation was, don't worry, it doesn't, I know it looks bad, but we win in the end. I'm not sure that sunk in for me. You know, at that point, I'd been a pastor for seven years, right? I have an undergrad in biblical, you know, undergrad minor essentially in biblical lit, and then, you know, managed to get out of seminary with decent grades. And, like, I think it was lost on me that the, like, isn't it, like, the thesis statement of Revelation is the letters to the churches in the first couple chapters. And I'm not sure I realized that essentially all of those boil down to i know this i know this hold on i know this i know this hold on i know this i know this hold on and then the whole thing is yeah it looks bad right now because there's like a beast and that beast looks unbeatable we win in the like even the course of the the, even in the course of the like strange things with weird eyes like even in those times where like this thing looks unbeatable it isn't Mm-hmm. This is like, and so because we don't, or you know, and my maybe maybe you got more revelation than I did growing up, but like growing up, I didn't get a ton of re- like we would. Re- I was familiar with like the Left Behind series, um, <laughs> and I was told that that's about revelation, um, and I you know I read those to impress a girl once. Um, <laughs> That was, you know, that was my, like, you know, this, this girl I, I want to date. This is great. This is a classic youth group story. A uh, girl I want to date's really into the, the Left Behind series. And so I read, I don't think I read, much like Revelation in Seminary, I'm not sure I read all of it, but I read enough to impress, to try to impress this girl. Um, I'm not sure how well that worked out in the end. But anyways, um, but like, we don't actually, we avoid it. And so we avoid, because it is kind of scary looking, I guess. 
we miss this like, oh, there's this entire book of scripture dedicated to it's not always going to look like you're winning. That doesn't mean we aren't winning. Hold on, we win in the end. And I think that looking at the parable that you started with today with the wheat and the weeds, that's easier to look at in light of that. Because if you are seeing yourself, if you're identifying as a wheat in this field full of weeds, and you look around and you go, okay, but God, aren't you going to take care of that over there? Or aren't you going to, you know, what are we doing, farmer? And, And I think it speaks to God's patience that the farmer doesn't just rip up all the weeds and leave the wheat, right? He waits until harvest time. He says, you know, let's wait and see what happens, right? Let's wait and see what fruit is actually produced. And are you weed or are you weeds? Or, um, you know, and, and the fact that there are weeds at the end is, again, is sad, is not a good thing. Um, but waiting until things come to fruition, waiting until harvest time, um, that there is still God's grace until then, until the end times, um, speaks to well, who God is. Well, and I, I think it is a lot of, like, the the big picture quality of God, right? And we we like there 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 is both the big picture and the intimate, right? There's both, right? Yes. Um, you have the you know the Holy Spirit moving among us, and you know we have this relationship with God, and, and all of that's real and true but also you have this and and when we deal with you know parables like this or or stories like revelation it is understanding that step back big picture quality of god as well Mm -hmm. that god is in the micro and the macro in the tactical and the strategic and some of the challenge of being human is understanding that we don't necessarily see well. We see the tactical dimension really well. Like we see, you know, our, to be human is to be finite. And even if you are like a broad thinking human, to be human is to be finite. To be God is to be infinite. Yes. And this is the, you know, the, 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 you know, Look, it was a time when slavery was a thing. Um, the, the we're gonna we'll go with landowner, um, <laughs> right? It's, look, it, it, this is this will come up time and time again. The New Testament has slave language because in Roman society um, there was slavery, and that's bad. Yeah. Um, and Jesus is using analogies that people would understand, not saying that this is a a description of society. But not a statement, normative statement of society, right? right? That Philemon is a slave owner doesn't mean you should be slave owners. It just means Philemon was a slave owner, anyways. Um, right. I could do a lot on. I'm reading, a, anyways. I'm reading a book by Zora Neale Hurston at the moment. And this is like on my mind. Um, okay. But that micro versus oh, macro. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we get we we see in the voice of the landowner we see this like what should be mildly disturbing, frankly. Uh, or disquieting to us is this like the big picture vision of God of like, yeah, uh, there will be weeds. Don't worry about it. But like in the big picture, this is better. It, it doesn't, not always going to feel better um, to be the weed among the weeds. Mm -hmm. Um, And so part, I guess part of that faith is trusting that, 
actually, there's real wisdom in that, even if it says, you know, because one of those classic, arm, classic arguments, it's like, the, the, you know, much like um, the conversation around free will from whatever that was last week. I don't know. I crash edited three weeks podcasts ago. in a week. I don't know. <laughs> um, whenever we talked about free will, um, that like, you know, hey, if, if we didn't have free will, we would all be a lot safer and no one could hurt us. Right. And so part of the faith is trusting that like that. Yes, there are concert. There are things that impact us negatively because evil still exists. Because weeds uh, are still there. Because weeds are still there. Yeah. Um, by the way, these weeds are people. Right. Like these, you know, yes. um, but part of trusting God, part of having faith in God is saying. I guess this is the better way. Yes. Even, you know. Uh, even is... when it's the harder way. Yeah. Even or when, feels harder. Even when you would rather be the petty person yeah. that looks at them and says, well, God, don't you want to give them their comeuppance? You know, right. because because Get we em. want that. Right? We want that, that karma, that whatever. Right. We want the world to, to suffer for their evil or, or whatever um, and for good to be rewarded. But that's not always how it happens. No, While I, we're you know, but also like God, God knows we're like that, right? Like Psalm 109 is in the Bible. Um, <laughs> this is my, like, I, I, the, the Psalms are great. Uh, especially the ones we don't read very often. It's like the Psalm, ones that you don't yeah. need a point on a pillow. Lord destroy right. my enemies to I the mean, 10th generation. <laughs> I did have needle pointed a Matthew 10 36 on my <laughs> office wall. So I would, I think my next needle point for my office needs to be, yeah, the, the one where it's like, where he, the part of Psalm 109 where it's like, blot out his memory. Yep. Get him so bad that like, that not even that he's dead, but that no one is kind to his children and yep. that the sins of his mother, like he calls out his mama, right? Like that, you know, his mama <laughs> and his daddy get pulled into this too. Like it is mm-hmm. the most like aggro Psalm. And we know that feeling. And part of what Psalm says is like, yeah, yeah. God knows all of the, fe- all of the feelings that you have. God knows them. Like God is not surprised by your feelings. Uh, but also, uh, you know, it is one thing where this is offered as a prayer. And I mean, so if we pray these things to God, we're not going to get zapped, right? right? You can take anything to God. But the answer to Psalm 109 may well be, love your enemy. Love right? your enemy. Let those weeds grow. You know, do leave it, leave it be and let God do the sorting. Right. And, and you know, this is, you know power corrupts right um and or or even just power corrupts our expectations right like we got really i think again i say we i was born in 1986 um so what do i know but like for a thousand years you know so whatever it's the 400s where 400s yeah where the church becomes christianity becomes the official religion of the roman empire right right um, through 1970, right? Like from at least in Western, you know, Western civilization from the year 400 to the year 1970. So, you know, let's go, let's round numbers, roughly 1500 years, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we had 1500 years of, of being in the winter's seat, right? Of, you know, the 
biggest, most important building in the town is the church. Um, you know, you go into like, you know, medieval and Renaissance history, right? You talk about the divine right of kings, that to be king means that you have to at least claim Louis the Fourteenth um, to be, you know, connected. You know, God puts you here, right? right. Uh, it's really useful. Divine when you right. Claims divine rights. Mm-hmm. Um, as but the even, pharaohs you know, did before, with you know, as the pharaohs did before, just you know, different gods. Different gods. Right? Uh, the Roman emperors did it too. The Roman emperors, de- you know, but in Christianity, you can't declare yourself a god, right? That we know, theologically inappropriate. There's only one God. Um, the Lord is God. The Lord is one, uh, right? This is you know, this, this is the Shema. This is this is right. very early, you know, Judeo-Christian theology. Um, no, no, no. God is one. Okay, cool. So Louis the Fourteenth cannot himself be a god. He can be appointed by God, though. Mm-hmm. It's really useful, right? But like. Even if, like, the faith was often getting hijacked to do horrific things, the idea that fundamentally church as powerful globe-spanning institution that runs the world or heavily influences the world is – was a given for, like, I don't know, like 1,500 years. And then rapidly over 50 years, in a lot of places, particularly – in the Western world, it stopped feeling like that. And so we're now back to like a real, like we look around at a society and go, yeah, we don't run it anymore. We don't, we don't, we don't. What do we do? Is God real? Yes. And always in the thing. Yes. Always has been. This is the faith part. I get that for 1500 years, faith looked easy. Or easier. Easier. And yeah. now it is harder, perhaps. Um, and actually, that, that is as good a place as any to pause. Um, and then uh, we will be uh, right back uh, with uh, our segment called How to Restart a Church um, that I think connects directly to, you know, um, what what is it? What is it to live in a world that we are not just the wieners? <laughs> And we're back um, to the part of the show that we call How to Restart a Church that uh, takes seriously that trying to form, reform, be the church in the 21st century, it requires operating differently. And I think this conversation around triumphalism, right, this like, we win, you lose, we're going to get really happy about pictures of you dirty sinners burning. Um, like that attitude is part of the problem or, or rather that shouldn't have a place in our faith life at the very least. Right. And this is not new, right? We brought up the first segment we brought up previous segment. We brought up left behind, right? That is, you know, an entire, like, you know, be Christian. So you don't get mired in a, whatever it is, nine volume series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and most of the like, you know, but this, so this is not new, right? Like you can find great medieval art about the like torture that, um, those who don't, you know, believe in God will experience, right? Like or we Dante's Inferno, all yeah. of the levels of hell and the different things that those evil sinners will be, you know, experiencing. Well, 
Well, yeah, it's good you bring up Dante, right? Like, Dante, it was often literally Dante's enemies, right? Like, it was people that Dante didn't like that was like, yep. yeah, no, I am going to, I am going to put you in hell, <laughs> right? Like, it, it, so, it, so this is not like, um, and modern Christianity screwed it up. No, this has been with us. You know, and, 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 you know, and maybe creeps a little into Matthew's own gospel of, you know, of, of taking pot shots of the Pharisees, right? Like, this is a thing that, like, this is a feeling that we know well, and as individuals, it's not good, but certainly as a, like, movement in the world meant to be about love and acceptance and making disciples and, you know, welcoming people in with open arms, then, like stepping back and you know being you know the kid from you know the kids from the Simpsons going ha ha anytime that like you know ha ha you're burning ha you're on fire ha like this is like this to me feels like particularly if we're gonna be navigating this modern world where we don't get just to go heck with you we're in charge. Like, we should have never been like this, but, like, now there are real consequences for us if we continue to be like this. Yes. And even in the reverse situation, if you are not the person pointing, saying, ha-ha, if you are the person being pointed at, you know, if you see another denomination or the church across town doing well, you know, should you should you feel bad or should you feel like they are pointing at you going, ha ha, or should you celebrate their successes? You know, if they came back from the pandemic faster than you did or bigger than you did, or some of your members moved to that congregation over there or whatever the case may be, you know, our attitude about those things needs to be one that reflects this scripture of the end times of remembering that, you know, God's got this, God's in control, um, and it's not up to us to see other people fail or to see other people get their comeuppance or to see other people, you know, thriving, and so then we feel jealous or whatever. Um, Looking at it in that macro, looking at it a little bit bigger just in the rivalry across town or looking at it on a national level, looking at it on on a global level as well. And... And, like, I get that this isn't easy. And I get that this isn't easy. I get better now at this point in, in my life and history how maybe not easy this is. Um, you know, I, I probably a lot of people who are listening to this are Methodists, but pr- hopefully not everybody. Um, you know, we over the past, we as United Methodist over the past, you know, 12 months, five years, whatever – you know, went through, a, you know, well, what we call it is interesting, but at least for us here in this part of Texas, like 50% of the churches picked up and moved to another thing. Um, and so, you know, it was perhaps easy um, for me to look at the Episcopalians and go, yeah, no, y'all do you. Cool. I'm not wearing, I'm not dressing like that. But you, you can't, bro. You can do all the smells and bells you do want in your worship services, Episcopalians. We're cool with this. <laughs> We're cool with this, but I can't. I can't do that. Y'all are 
better than me in a lot of ways. It was really easy. Like, um, I got married in the Episcopal Church, right? Like, it, it was very uh, – I picked the Episcopalians because, like – Anyways, I you know I do what do like crossover events with the Episcopalians. So it's easy. We're in right? full communion with you know. right, and and like <laughs> and like they are theologically very you know very very similar vibes. Um, you know, John Wesley, founder of Methodism, was a Church of England pre like whatever like, right. and so it's really easy to look at you know I, I look at the Anglicans and go cool. Yeah, yeah, y'all go do you. Um, it's a little harder to look at, you know, a Methodist denomination that spins out of, you know, the one I'm a part of. And that split was tough um, on a lot of levels. And I have a lot of thoughts on exactly the mechanisms of that. But to this, you know, my like, hey, we shouldn't feel triumphant when the sinners burn. Uh, we also shouldn't look forward to the failure of other Christians, right? Like, that is that is also part of the, like, and we waste a lot, you know, I've wasted a lot of my own energy um, in this kind of, like, you know, when we fight each other and root for each other to lose, we lose. When we look at the world and want the world to lose, we lose. Because in the end... We are supposed to be saying we are a thing that is very different, have very different standards than the world. And you should be a one to be here because it's better in here than not in here. Right. And when we root for people to lose and then feel really good when they do, we are not living up to being... You know, maybe that it happens all the time, right? I, I bring up the Dodgers a lot in the essay. Because um, <laughs> I do feel good when the Dodgers lose. Um, it's you weird. You were raised to, in Astros. <laughs> I, was ra- I was raised in Astro. Um, and they tried to buy a championship. And we defeated them by sticking a webcam in center field. And yet we're the sinners. Um, and they're so, it's just so salty. And so then fine, fine. The season where, where we don't put a webcam in center field. Um, they cruise. They literally won like last year, like won 113 games. It was something insane. Um, and they lost in like the first or second round of the playoffs. And the Astros, who everyone was, you know, kind of lukewarm on, cruised to victory. I might add, <laughs> and I feel good about that. Um, and I'm again. I, I do not like. We are not going to become that. And that's why we should not watch sports because it makes us feel this way. This is just not. <laughs> It's just not the th- like. That's no. not a huge life altering thing for. That's not a huge life altering thing. Times. <laughs> right, like I don't actually want harm to come to the city of Los Angeles. I just kind of like it when their baseball team loses, right? But I can like if a disaster was to beset L.A., I would not be like, hey, hey those Dodgers fans, right? Like it's just not right, like, no. like let's let's keep this in bounds, right? We cannot yes. be like anything that makes you feel. Anything that makes you feel smug ever is of the devil. No, it's just not. Like, sports is fun. And we can have, as long as we all do it in fun, it can be fun. Um, This is why we create simulations for these things, right? It's just like, you know, killing someone in a video game does not make you become a murderer. Like, the psychology is pretty clear Simulated battle. Simulated, right? Or like football. Which is also a simulated battle, right? Like. 
simulated with humans are actually really good at compartmentalizing. I can say compartmentalizing. This word. There you go. Compartmentalizing yes. real and simulated. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. But oh. but when it's real, when it's, you know, we've gone through this split, we've gone through these disaffiliations, we've gone through this um, divorce in our denomination, yeah. Yeah. essentially. Um, it's easy to want your ex to have a terrible life. You yeah. Know? It's, it's really easy to want to see your ex fail. Um, because it feels very much like that. And we are very human in our feels about that. Yeah. Um, but again, that is not the faith that we are supposed to be living into. We are well, supposed I, to be yeah. living into this faith that says, yes, I also want this other Christian denomination to succeed. I want Christ's vision and Christ's um, kingdom to be built here on this earth, whether it's being built by me or not. Um, you know, I want to be a part of this movement that is building God's kingdom on earth. And so if you are also building that wing over there, you know, that's not my wing of the building. I want that to succeed. Because in the, like, excuse me, part of what, you know, I think, how do I put this? I guess it's back to like, we're supposed to be better, Mm -hmm. right? Like part of the pitch on the kingdom of God is that in here the people may not be perfect but are striving to be better right like that's the like top level pitch on because the Holy Spirit is present in Christian community mm-hmm. because we can rely on the Holy Spirit we can live in ways that do not come to us naturally. We can be more inclusive. We can be more loving. We are, you know, it's a community of people who are all trying to be better. And again, like there's going to be stumbles and there's forgiveness and, and, and all of that. But the pitch is, this is, you know, if you read kind of the second half of Luke, of, of Acts chapter two, where like Luke is describing the earliest church. Right? It is this like, like hyper-unified, beloved community. And so when we're at our best, we can be that. But so often, and again, yeah, this is the, the theme of this segment, right? Like, so often, we're not. And one of the ways that we're not is that, like, you know, you know, being the kid from The Simpsons going, ha, ha. When either within the church, something bad, you know, we all have our, like, you know, folks we're, we shouldn't be rooting against and yet might be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I who, you know, am deeply skeptical of megachurches, um, you know, I, there, are the, there are these, like, repeated scandals, uh, you know, that we've talked about of, of or, you know, about, among megachurch leaders, and the truth is, is like part of that, you know, go, well, okay. But like there are people, you know, don't lose sight of all of the people whose faith was deeply impacted because that thing happened. And that moves it from the like, you know, hey, hey look at that. Well, gr- oh, so great. Like that church is becoming smaller because this usually it's a dude. Um, unfortunately. Because that's all they let empower. Often, if, um, you know, eh. 
Although it's interesting watching a church like Saddleback double down on like, nope, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do a female leadership. Actually, um, yeah. we're gonna. Anyways, that has been a really interesting, um, really interesting thing thing to watch happen. But like, mm-hmm. I, there are like people who were experiencing something they believed to be the Holy Spirit, and then are going through that like rug pulling sensation of oh my god what do i even believe anymore because this and this and this and so some of that is the message for us as clergy always to also try to be better doesn't mean we're always going to succeed but at least try try Mm -hmm. try real hard and Um, be transparent and honest when we fail because we do fail because we do fail Uh, and like you know don't maybe don't set yourself as on a pedestal Right. Don't put um, your faith in the pastor. Put your faith in God, maybe. Right. Right. But like, no. and also pastors. In... Right. Anyways. But so there's okay. that conversation. But I think that's a different conversation. What This is about my own emotional response to when I see these things happening. And mm-hmm. what I, and this is not like, I am not so much preaching as confessing, right? Of like, when I have those moments of like, yeah, Carl Lentz really did seem like a lot, didn't he? Um. I have to remember that, like, there were all these, like, millennials um, who didn't think that church was for them and in that ministry began to think that church was for them, mm-hmm. then go through this thing and are back to wondering, is church for them? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's really sad. Um, and, yes, it's on us to be better, but it's also on us to you know, feel that tragedy rather than celebrate, like celebrate the stumble. And individually taking it back to that micro level to, to feel the faith that gets you to the end when it feels like, yeah, it looks like there's a lot of weeds right now, folks push through. We win in the end. That's again, trusting that farmer. That's, you know, bringing it back down. Right. And it, and it just, I, I get, really i get really skeptical of what happened to us anytime we think we're the winners in this time mm-hmm. right like you know i i, I like this it, this building that I, i'm i'm in that is slowly choking out my larynx um is like it's like it's 40 feet tall it has this like giant copper spike on the top like it is this giant bulwark right made of you know wood and brick and no longer asbestos that got taken care of a while ago um but it used to be wood brick and asbestos but a monument Uh, to winning for sure but a monument to to being the biggest on the playground you know you were the biggest and the best and there's a fine line right like there's a, a way you can tell the theology of a cathedral that says that, no, this is a building that expresses the grandeur of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So does a mountain. Um, but it also is a statement of we have the grandeur of God and you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have like, I don't know. I, I, I worry the smug, you know, the smugness, Smugness in relationship to sports, fine. I'm declaring fine. Who knows? Talk to God about that. <laughs> I am going to make the claim. It's fine. 
<laughs> but smugness at others losing suffering because of their either unbelief or incorrect belief. Mm-hmm. That, you know, to me, that is not, that should have never been our way. And is certainly not how we're going to find our way now. Um, when the world is already skeptical of us. Right. And, and rightly earned. Right. Um, and, and so like it, it, there's this line in Godspell, which I'll use slightly too much. Um, just as what Elijah said to Jezebel, you better start to learn your lessons well. So like, turns out that whether you like it or not, the world kind of looks at us and goes, you make this claim to be better. Are you better? Maybe be better. Maybe be better. Um, and that's just, you know, this is as good a place as anything to land it. Um, thank you so much for joining us um, and gathering with us to experience the goodness of God. Um, if you have feedback for this show, um, uh, soon it will work. Um, you can send the messages to podcast at servantsnow.org. We're working on getting access to that email address. Uh, church backend systems are challenging. Um, but that is the place where you can send your feedback. Um, this show is a product of the Servants Now Media Lab here at Servants of Christ United Methodist Parish um, and is brought to you by an innovators grant uh, by the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. If you want to know more about what we do here in the Media Lab or at the church in general, you can go to our website, servantsnow.org. You can go to our website, that is servantsnow.org. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And we'll see you next week.